and welcome back, everybody, to Double Down with Presslow, where we cover everything going on in the exciting world of sports betting uh, exploding here in the U.S., and we're thrilled to have the COO of SportsGrid, which is a 24-7 betting network, the leading betting network in the sports betting industry, I'll dare to say. I'm sure you would probably agree. Uh, welcome to the show, Adam Kaplan. Thanks so much for joining. Thanks for having me. Yeah, so I was not familiar with Sports Grid before uh, you and I connected, um, but looks like a space that uh, is a very smart one to be in right now. We've certainly got lots of 24-7 sports networks, starting, of course, with ESPN many moons ago. Uh, I'm old enough to remember when ESPN started, and I think probably ping pong was their their top sport uh, that they were covering live <laughs> at that time and grown from there. And now they're back to probably covering uh, pickleball. So it's kind of come full circle for them. They've got so many channels and there's such a demand now for, for live sports. Um, but now, thanks to the expansion of sports betting in the U.S., we've got this huge demand for sports betting content. So walk us through how, how the company started and, and where you guys are today. Yeah. So the company started uh, with it, our founders, Jeremy Stein and Lou Mayone, really back in 2018 is when it came into its current form. Um, and, you know, essentially the thesis was, you know, there's a white space in the sports betting media ecosystem you know, again, this is kind of back in 2018, you know, let's go after a 24-7 round-the-clock dedicated sports network um, that serves the sports fan, the betting enthusiast, the fantasy player with the most up-to-date news, information, stats, data, analysis, sort of like the CNBC for sports betting um, around the clock. And I think ultimately, you know, the focus has been on that. The focus has been on um, owning, you know, the content and the worldwide rights to the content. And what that allows us to do is distribute our content everywhere, right? So subscription services, pay services, free uh, services. And, you know, the Sports Grid Network today is really comprised of several pillars. The first is, you know, the, the streaming video channel, which also has the fast channel, um, which we'll, I'm sure we'll talk about fast channels, but uh, it's essentially free ad-supported streaming television. It's one of the fastest-growing areas of media. Sports Grid is the number one sports fast channel uh, since Q4 2022, and we have distribution on over 90% of the connected TVs uh, in circulation, um, where we're preloaded as the sort of number one, uh, oops, as the only sports betting network, um, but number one sports channel. And from a consumer perspective, they don't have to download anything or pay for anything. But we also plug in with, you know, your streaming, your OTT uh, kind of platform, satellite, uh, radio, audio, podcast, social media. Um, we recently launched a new app, which uh, is another sort of endpoint for consumers to engage with sports grid content. And so ultimately, uh, that and podcasts kind of make up the sports grid network. So if somebody wants to watch it for free, um, they can. And and where would they go to watch it for free? Well, you can always, through the Sports Grid app, get both the the television feed and the audio feed in the palm of your hand with, with the Sports Grid app. But if you have a smart TV that's hooked up to wireless uh, internet or internet 
period, there's a 90% chance that you can go on your television and in the package of channels that your television's offering, in the case of my Samsung, it's Samsung TV Plus, uh, you know, they sort of preload each TV with, you know, a, a basket of channels across multiple categories. And Sports Grid is one of the 48 sports channels that comes preloaded on Samsung uh, devices, all kind of uh, shapes and sizes, including phones. But I think ultimately, you know, Samsung's one example. We're also distributed on LG, TCL, Hisense, and, um, you know, growing. What about Roku? That's the one that I tend to use. So Roku, we are a fast channel on Roku. Roku is a different type of platform being that uh, obviously, you know, it has some, you know, sort of app components and premium components. We are, um, you know, in the free channel area of Roku as well. So uh, all in all, we're reaching over 500 million devices uh, every day. Um, and I think ultimately, you know, the real opportunity for us is, you know, mobile and global. So I had not heard the term fast channel before. So I'm going to assume that a lot of people haven't. So explain to us a fast channel. Yeah, it's free ad supported streaming TV. And I think the way to think about this is uh, pretty simple. Like, you know, ultimately in the old days, you had your set box and your antennas, right? And then eventually, you know, television kind of broadcast consumption evolved into cable and satellites, et cetera. And I think where the world's going, you know, there's a big debate right now, whether fast channels, you know, again, being preloaded on connected TVs, on your smart TVs, accessible via Wi-Fi with no payment, no download. There's a real debate right now in media as to whether fast channels are going to replace cable or, you know, sort of sit alongside and complement, um, or are they kind of the next generation of cable? Um, and there's probably a spectrum to that end. And, you know, I think ultimately what we're seeing is Fast channels are extremely hot right now. They're one of the fastest growing areas of media because consumers will always pay up for their uh, premium content. But I do think there's a point where, you know, for any consumer, you know, you don't want to just keep paying endlessly for apps. Um, so there is a real market for free ad supported. And I think you're seeing that with a lot of the streaming companies start to go that direction. Mm -hmm. So, um, yeah, I guess you could kind of, there's two things that I've seen when I deal with wireless television. One is where it pops up all the different things you can click on, which is your Netflix and your your uh, HBO and your Disney and so forth. And then I've also seen where it looks more like a, um, a cable channel interface where you can just scroll through tons of channels that are available. And like, you know, I know CBS has a 24-7 news thing that you don't necessarily see on cable. There's a lot of channels on there that you don't typically see on your regular cable network. So are both of those things fast channels or, or, or one is and one isn't? Yeah, I think any of the, you have your OEMs, which are coming preloaded with channels that, that are fast channels, but you also have, you know, for example, a lot of our other distribution partners are launching their own versions of fast channels, not just the OEMs. And so, what you're seeing is, for example, Amazon Prime, right? Prime Video. So we're also distributed on Prime Video through Freevee and we're on Fire TV. So we have a global distribution partnership with Amazon, which we announced in February this year. 
But on Amazon, they're embracing free ad-supported streaming content as well in their environment through their Freebie product, uh, which is, you know, being distributed across, you know, their important kind of consumer app touch points. And so that's one example. Um, I think you, you, sorry to interrupt. Do you you get a channel number when you're on something like that? In the case of Freebie, no. In the case of Samsung, we're channel 1160. So okay. it depends on the on the platform. Sometimes you do and sometimes you don't. Sometimes, so, you don't. sometimes it's just a matter of scrolling to find it or searching to find it. Yeah, but you know, one of the cool things for us is on sportsgrid.com, there's a there's a section we have on the website called where to watch where you can always go get an updated view of where you can f- watch sportsgrid for free. Um so I would point your listeners to sportsgrid.com backslash where to watch and um, you know, you can also just go to the website and navigate easily to find it. But ultimately, you know, what you're seeing from us is, you know, ubiquitous distribution across all the different categories of streaming, OTT, and connected devices. Mm-hmm. And so it's everybody from your Roku's, your YouTube TVs, Amazon, Prime, Freevee, Fire, uh, your Sirius XM or the Sirius XM, you know, betting channel. You've got Sling. And Fubo TV, Zumo, I could go on forever. You probably and, and, and one and one distinction between, let's say, you and ESPN is that is it correct that I couldn't get ESPN without paying for it somehow? I would either have to subscribe to ESPN or I'd have to have you know basic cable that gives me ESPN. Whereas yours, no, you don't need e- either of those things. Yeah, so ESPN you can access through pay TV. So you have a cable subscription, which you're paying a cable company. They're paying ESPN a a fee for you subscribing to your cable, right? Or you can pay them directly through ESPN Plus and their app, which you have to download, but you also can pay them for plus of content. I believe they also have some, you know, free content uh, that they use to kind of market into there. But ultimately it's, you're paying for that content in some way. So what's interesting is people don't necessarily think that much about this, but ESPN is making money two ways. It's getting a piece of the subscription fee that you're paying to your cable company, right? Or what you're paying directly to them. Plus they're getting all the ad revenue, which is kind of interesting, right? They've got two major revenue streams there. They've, They've got subscription fees and then they've got the ad revenue. Correct. And for us, I think our, our view is we want to we own the worldwide rights to our programming. We want to make our content available everywhere in an ad-supported environment uh, with without restrictions. Because with those kinds of sub-fees uh, come restrictions on what you can do with your content. And I think it's just a trade-off in terms of your business model and um, you know what your strategy is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, now when you get a smart TV, there's so many things that are available to you with that, that it would cause you to think, well, gee, why do I need cable? anymore. There's plenty of news channels and there's, there's sports channels and this and that. I mean, I guess what ESPN is relying upon, of course, is they've got the live sports and people want to see those live events. So they're, they're going to pay for it. Yeah. And we think there'll always be a place for premium live sporting events and premium content period. It's just ultimately, you know, I think, like we said, there is a point where the consumer is going to, um, you know, reach kind of its tipping point in terms of like what they're willing to pay for and, and ultimately that opens up uh, a demand and a and a lane for free ad supported content as well. So the ads that are on your particular uh, um, channel are they sports betting ads? 
So we are fortunate to work with many of the top operators in the U.S. They're among our biggest, you know, sponsors and partners. Um, so like FanDuel and BetMGM are two of our big partners. But also we work with really all the operators are buying commercials, you know, through various channels on our um, on our platform. Um, but I think in terms of, you know, the way we work, we work with distribution companies to uh, distribute our platform and share in the ads somehow. Um, and then ultimately what we're working on, you know, on our end is. Uh, integrated sponsorships where we can really integrate the sports betting operator or whatever the sort of brand is into our content in a really native and organic way that goes across our entire, you know, distribution footprint or the largest swath of our distribution footprint. So you guys are streaming 24 hours a day. How much of that is actually live content? 18 hours on video and 21 on audio. And when it's streaming live, uh, I did catch some of it, you know, preparing for the interview. Um, it looked like the guys are kind of following sports events that are going on and talking about them as they're going on, right? So I think what you're referring to is probably in-game live, which is uh, our most watched show where essentially our uh, talent and experts from around the industry are watching games and it's almost like a betting red zone um, where they're kind of watching, you know, meets CNBC, I would say betting red zone meets CNBC, where it's like they're watching the games, they're watching the line movement, they're helping, you know, with what's going on and then also where the opportunities are. Um, but also kind of bouncing around to where the action is and where the kind of pivot points are. And so I think for us, you know, it's really the only show in the market where, you know, you have uh, experts and hosts and analysts showing up and analyzing live betting in that manner every single moment there are live events on. Um, so we're really proud of that and obviously always uh, focused on improving. But, you know, I think ultimately that is, um, you know, kind of our our bread and butter and what we do. Mm-hmm. So would you say th- those are your most popular shows is when the games are actually going on? Yeah, I think um, those kind of key moments in sports nationally, you know, we sort of mirror in a lot of ways those key moments because the engagement uh, is so heightened. And so, um, you know, ultimately for us, you know, the the magic is when there are games on. Yeah. And how do you balance the fact that somebody wants to be watching the game, but they also want to be watching or at minimum listening to what you guys are saying about it? Yeah, that's making our content accessible. You know, so many of our viewers are um, watching us in the palm of their hand and the game on their TV or us on their TV and the game in the palm of their hand. Um, And so I think ultimately, and that's if they don't have a, a two, you know, or three TV kind of strategy. Um, you can also listen to us on radio. We're available, you know, we have a terrestrial footprint, but also, you know, the Sirius XM broadcast. So it's, you know, meeting our customers where they are um, and understanding that, you know, we are not enabling them to transact on screen, at least yet. But I think ultimately what we can do is be there and be as accessible as possible so that however they are consuming the action, if they are consuming the action, you know, we're enabling them to consume our content, consume the action, or just consume our content and then bet on the action. Mm. 
Yeah, these days, everybody's got more than one screen available to them, whether you call it a, a phone or a computer or a pad or a, or a monitor. Um, there's always multiple in a room. All right, well, let's take our, take our break right now, uh, and we'll come back after the break. I want to cover a little bit about Adam's background and what got him into sports betting. Really interesting uh, story about a company that he started and sold to FanDuel. We'll be back right after the break with more with Adam Kaplan. The world's best-known investor and Wall Street expert, Warren Buffett, once said, Wall Street is the only place that people ride to in a Rolls Royce to get advice from those who take the subway. Mr. Buffett's quote is remarkably accurate, but how many people would rather receive advice from him than someone simply guessing? Welcome to Buy, Hold, Sell, your single source for Wall Street knowledge and profitable guidance. Please join me, Todd Schoenberger, and fellow trader Tobin Smith, as well as host Veronica Dudo for a podcast known to move the needle for investors. Tobin and I are seasoned Wall Street executives with deep investment experience, and we are prepared to share our advice to those who choose to listen. Download Buy, Hold, Sell today on the Evergreen Podcast Network or your favorite podcast channel. And welcome back, everybody, to Double Down with Breslow. We're talking with Adam Kaplan, COO of Sports Grid, 24-7 live streaming sports betting coverage. Um, talk to us about, I think, I guess it was your entree into sports betting, the company Numberfire. Yeah, so Numberfire was, uh, at the time, coined the next generation sports analytics platform. And it was founded by uh, the CEO, Nick Bonadio, who uh, I came to meet in 2013. And, you know, ultimately, I think the thesis was at the time, there was a plethora of data around sports. And there was really no consumer facing platform out there trying to harness all that data and package it in a way where consumers could use it to inform, uh, you know, fantasy and sports betting type decisions. Uh, ultimately, taking the data, using different types of modeling and forecasting techniques to forecast player and team performance, and then look through the lens of fantasy or daily fantasy or sports betting. And over time, more and more different offerings. So ultimately, Nick uh, founded the company and built a really strong team that I had the pleasure of working with. And it was, you know, really, um, you know, kind of form forming time for me of like becoming sort of what I was hopeful I could become in the industry and setting out in the early sort of days to sort of prove ourselves, right? And so you always look back on those times with fond memories. I think ultimately in 2015. You know, we sold the business to Nigel Eccles, who was the CEO of FanDuel at the time, and Matt King, who was the CFO of FanDuel at the time, then came back as CEO. Now he's CEO of Fanatics Betting and Gaming. Um, and that was really the starting point for content at FanDuel, is that initial sort of number fire platform and what we were able to not only build into the product, uh, but, you know, create in terms of web presences, create app presences, and really use the data foundation to evolve a bunch of systems and technologies that existed at FanDuel. Mm -hmm. So where was the revenue coming from for Numberfire? Yeah, so it was a three-pronged approach. We had a subscription business, which uh, was a seven-figure subscription business annually. Like, 
you know, in the very early days, you know, there were there there weren't a lot of competitive subscription products. I think over the years there became to be more and more. Um, and so we were in a position where we could offer that. We also had an advertising business. Know for sure DraftKings was one of our big partners back in the day on the advertising side. And then we also had an enterprise licensing side of the business where we would take a lot of this data uh, and license it out to major media companies, teams, leagues, um, and at times develop new products for you know some of these different offerings and entities. Um, and our biggest customers, I remember, were the ESPN and kind of the NFL and you know, kind of getting a crash course and working with both of those organizations, you know, coming from the world I was coming from at the time, which was not sports and, and media. So um, it's, like I said, the number of fire days were a time period that I look back on very fondly. And, um, you know, obviously it was kind of, like you said, the starting point for my career in sports. And then why did FanDuel want it? FanDuel was getting into content, I think saw value in the IP and the team. And, you know, ultimately needed, you know, a foundation for content that was smart um, and logic driven to get into. And I think Numberfire was that for, for the, um, for the FanDuel DFS business. Mm -hmm. So, and, and that brings us full circle back to SportsGrid. Where is SportsGrid Relative to say a FanDuel and a DraftKings, which you know, my understanding they're also doing twenty four seven content now. Well, I don't think they're doing twenty four seven content. I would I would say this. Um, I mentioned earlier, many of our the top operators in the U.S. are our partners and sponsors, and they're valued partners of ours. I would say that those partner that those operator partners are gaming operators, and ultimately they look through the lens of you know their gaming operations and how they can improve those operations and grow those businesses. I think ultimately, if you look at the streaming landscape right now, which we've sort of done already in this interview, it's just evolving so quickly. Um, and the fastest growing areas we've talked about are fast channels, which are essentially free and ad supported streaming channels on connected TVs. So if you really take a look at the strategies of you know the operators in the U.S., and kind of double click on it. I would say that you could summarize it by saying that they're gaming operators that have various content initiatives. And in the case of, you know, the strategies, I think Fandle took their horse racing paid TV network and essentially changed the color, changed the, the brand name, just rebranded it, sprinkled in some sports content, some sports betting content. Um, but the core of that channel is horse racing. And they air in excess of 12 hours a day of live horse racing coverage from around the world. I think for DraftKings, you know, they acquired VSIN, which was a premium subscription uh, content uh, company, and ultimately, you know, recently launched on Samsung with the Samsung TV Plus offering, which we are obviously valued Samsung as a partner as well. And I think, you know, for them, that's a great start and they could feel really good about entering that business, but they're not live streaming throughout the day, all day. It's a lot of, you know, kind of re-air and it's a lot of the content that, you know, they're already sponsoring across their various different content sponsorships. And I think in the case of both of these companies and frankly, the rest of the long tail of operators in the U.S., um, they have various other initiatives. We've talked about NumberFire for FanDuel, but 
Others have different websites and apps and social media, podcasts, YouTube, Twitch. And I think you get varying degrees of cut through. And in a lot of cases, you know, there can be region frequency issues. There can be issues attributing value to the gaming business. Because remember, they're gaming companies. You can have monetization issues if they're not getting the reach and frequency. Um, and obviously, in some cases, costs can be high if you're running a broadcast pay TV business or um, if you're sort of running at a high cost structure, you know, that could be that could be challenging, especially if you have some of the other challenges that we mentioned there. So ultimately at Sports Grid, what we do is we show up every day to have the sports betters back with the news, analysis, data, insights, and movements that they need to be smarter at the water cooler, but also more informed when they do place bets. And our distribution strategy is ubiquitous. We own the worldwide rights to our programming, so we have no restrictions around where we can put our content. As you, you know, as such, you can find our channel everywhere. And, you know, we've already kind of gone through where a lot of, you know, kind of the key platforms are, but we're reaching over 500 million devices and we're the number one sports fast channel, which, you know, obviously fast is a key growing area of the media market. So we're really fortunate to be in the position we're in. We don't take it for granted. We work hard every day to defend our position um, and we know that competition's coming. But I think ultimately with the team that we have and, you know, the group that we have going, uh, the business we built, you know, it feels like we're going to be in a position to defend our, our turf for mm -hmm. years. Do you see value to you guys being independent? You know, do betters kind of look with some question at an analyst who's working for FanDuel or DraftKings and think, oh, well, we know who their employer is. They might be trying to steer us in a particular direction because FanDuel or DraftKings wants wagers on that side. Yeah. I mean, look, it's um, clear that there is a market to in the consumer market for a Switzerland approach to media and especially sports betting news, media and entertainment. You know, I think if you're FanDuel or you're DraftKings, there's obviously value to the brand. Uh, they've put tremendous money into the brand. And, you know, in our case, we haven't put that kind of money into the brand, but we're building our brand and, you know, more and more people are learning about sports grid and uh, are able to recognize sports grid you know, without being prompted. So sort of unaided brand awareness is kind of one of the things we look at. Ultimately, I feel like for, for consumers, they want to have choice. They all play on multiple wallets and tend to focus on where they can get value, whether it's sort of um, material value or, you know, sort of adjacent value as a consumer, you know, if it's, um, you know, maybe not, the best line or the best promotion, but they have something else going, you know, with that brand, whether it's content or, you know, what have you convenience or, or they're just really focused on kind of price shopping or promo shopping or what have you, but ultimately, whatever. Speaking the point, of that, it just raised a question in my mind. I'm curious, do, do your analysts or hosts provide that type of shopping information? For instance, you know, a game's coming up. Are they telling people in real time, hey, FYI guys, DraftKings have a minus seven and a half and they're, they're minus eight over on FanDuel. So you can pick up a half point on FanDuel. Yeah. Some of our programming is focused on highlighting some of the best uh, opportunities for you to get expected value. And I think it just, it obviously depends on the programming. Some of our programming is sponsored by FanDuel and we tend to highlight FanDuel markets. Some of our programming is sponsored by BetMGM and we'll highlight BetMGM markets. 
um, et cetera. But I do think, you know, within our content, there's a focus and an effort on trying to help users find value. And how much are you guys international at this point? If I'm following a soccer game in Britain, is, are you guys commenting on that? So we are uh, global and focused on growing quickly there. As we mentioned, we have a few global distribution deals. So that kind of sets the table for us to launch in different markets. Earlier this year, we launched our dedicated Canadian network. Uh, Later this year, we'll debut our uh, Spanish language network in key Spanish language markets, including the U.S., but um, also, you know, uh, Mexico, Latin America, Spain, and et cetera. Um, and we are announcing a few new launches that we already have um, lined up that are going to be announced shortly that I think will sort of show the world where we're going. Cool. So right now you've got Sports Grid. You've got one channel, which is focused primarily on U.S. sports, but you're going to have a second focus on Canadian sports and then a third focused on Latin American sports. We already have the Sports Grid Canada Network. That one launched earlier this year. And then the Spanish language network launches later this year. Gotcha. So each one will be independent with 24-7 coverage. And what about, what else should we look for in the future as far as direction you guys are going that you're able to share? For instance, you know, do you see yourself ever being on the wager side of things where you actually could have a side business where you're accepting wagers or facilitating them directly through your uh, programming? Listen, uh, I wouldn't rule anything out. Um, right now we're focused on our ambitions in media. There's a big opportunity in media, um, obviously to focus this model on global, uh, reach and scale and, um, really build out a comprehensive media company in the space, um, which we're well on our way to, but, you know, still have room to improve. And so, you know, for us, I think we're very focused on the media side of the business now, but, um, if the right opportunities came along, you know, I'm sure we would entertain um, anything if it could add value to, you know, our team, our shareholders um, and the company. Cool. Uh, last question. Who's your number one personality right now? You, you, you hate to give it to just one of your hosts, I, I guess. It's probably going to be controversial for you to say that. <laughs> well, I was going to say, is it... Is it a, are you looking for me to give my favorite sports grid personality? Are you looking for me to give my favorite non-sports grid personality? No, 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 sports grid, sports grid. Well, it's really like, tell, tell, tell us who, Hey, if you haven't watched sports grid yet, this is the guy you want to start with. It's really hard to pick just one. Here's what I would would say. I'll highlight a few. Um, And I think of course, like the, the team at large does a phenomenal job. Um, So, you know, there are many people who, you know, deserve a lot of uh, praise and credit. But I would say this, I would say, you know, Scott Farrell has been in the business for a very long time and, you know, has um, a lot of loyal fans in his corner. And uh, he's got, you know, a a show and a key time slot on our network. Um, You've got really solid people uh, working in the morning. Uh, day parts. So like you've got Ben Stevens, who's a, a, a tremendous talent on our FanDuel programming, as well as Kevin Walsh, who's on our FanDuel programming. And those guys know, you know, the business of sports betting, um, you know, in terms of from a consumer perspective, how to how to handicap and, and um, you know, also, you know, how to really communicate where the news and the action is. And then I think, you know, throughout different parts of the day, you've got news programming and fantasy programming with, with Craig Mish and Davis Maddock. You've got 
Um, Gabe Morenci, who is a favorite of many, he does a tremendous job for us late night on radio, but also on Game Time Decision, which is on uh, live right now. And he's there with uh, Cam Stewart, who uh, also does a nice job for us. Uh, those guys will also stick around for in-game live. So if you want to come watch in-game live uh, in an hour or two, you know, you'll have the opportunity to do that. And you know, we have a, a number of key up and coming folks, whether it's, you know, Donnie Wrightside, whether it's Dubs Anderson or uh, Taylor Mathis, Joe Madden, James Young has been a tremendous basketball talent uh, for us. And so, you know, obviously there's many more. It's a tremendous roster. And, you know, when it comes to sports betting and informing the sports better, there is no better roster. Yep. Sounds like a deep bench. Indeed. Adam, thanks a lot for coming on the show. Sorry I'm not going to see you in San Diego next week, but uh, maybe on the East Coast uh, soon. Yep, let's do it. Thanks for having me. All right, Adam Kaplan, COO of SportsGrid. Thank you so much for joining Double Down, and thank you all for listening and watching to Double Down. We'll be back soon with another episode. Thanks, everyone. I want you to smash that like button. <laughs> <laughs>